Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Qatar for the Game Day World Cup podcast with me, Sam Matterface, alongside Talk Sports football correspondent Alex Crook and the assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis. Every day when you wake up, we'll have a bite-sized special delivery from the World Cup, bringing you a roundup of all the day's action and discussing the upcoming games. The top stories this morning, Brazil dance their way past South Korea and comfortably move into the quarterfinals. The first penalty shootout of the competition sees Croatia edge out Japan. Oh my God, it was terrible. Um, can Ronaldo follow Messi, Neymar and Mbappe into the last eight? His Portugal side take on Switzerland later. And after a major wobble in their final group game, can Spain pick up another notch against the dangerous Morocco side? It's the Game Day World Cup podcast from TalkSport. Japan have been one of the stories of this World Cup so far. But after their dramatic victories over Germany and Spain, they come face to face with the Iron Men of Croatia. Not since 2002 as co-hosts of South Korea made a World Cup quarter-final. Eventually that year, Gusinic's men finished fourth, whilst the winners were Ronaldo's Brazil. Perisic making his 100th start for Croatia here this evening. Lovren with the cross in, and the header is in, and there is the equalising goal. And it's Ivan Perisic. And there is nothing between them. So it will be decided from 12 yards. Mario Pasalic can send Croatia through. He steps up right-footed and he makes no mistake. And the penalty kings from four years ago are at it again. Now Rafinha down the right-hand side of the box. Pulls it back. It comes to Vinicius Junior. 1-0! Neymar back in the side and back amongst the goals. Brazil are on their way. Richarlison juggles for it with his head brilliantly. Gets it back at the edge of the area. Oh, what a goal! What a brilliant goal from Richarlison! What a magnificent goal that was from Brazil. The Samba style is very much in evidence tonight. They are playing such silky football. It's strictly come football and the celebrations as artistic as that football. That has been sensational from Brazil. Final score here at the 974 Stadium. Brazil 4, South Korea 1. So yesterday was a, was a good day, Darren, I think. You know, I would suggest that yesterday was a good day. Um, I woke up in the morning and did the podcast with uh, Crookster and uh, Kwaku Afari. Then I got myself a little coffee, went to a little breakfast place around the corner, and then um, went to the gym, did my usual little 5K, then went to Japan versus Croatia, 
got a text message halfway through extra time. Hello, mate. Uh, how are you getting to Brazil? I'll let you guess who it was who sent me that text message. <laughs> I said, well, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I've, I've got something booked. He said, is there, is there room for a little one? <laughs> Met, Met Crookster outside the media center after the end of Japan versus uh, Croatia. And we hot-footed it down the road to Stadium 974 so we could watch Brazil. We then got there. We had a photo outside the front. We're here just in time for kickoff. We've done two games in a day. Got halfway up the stairs. Crook almost had a meltdown, the idea of taking the stairs to the press box, by the way. Um, <laughs> at which point I went, oh, my God, where's my bag? <laughs> and Crook went, oh, where, where is your bag? I went, oh, I left it in the security thing. So I had to go down the stairs again, go and get my bag um, before going up and sitting and watching the rest of the game. But the, I maintain the reason I left my bag in the security thing is because inexplicably yesterday, they made me take off my belt and trousers when I went through the security thing. Very strange. It was uh, shorts. It was shorts. They had a metal buckle or something. Well, it was, you know, I had to let them down, you know, to make a feel to make sure there was nothing there. I mean, I'm, I might have been exaggerating that a little bit, Darren. But anyway, it was a good day. Um, <laughs> Alex, did, 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 you, did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, I ended up uh, a guest of Hyundai at that first game. I wasn't planning. Uh, on attending, but I went along to uh, interview Park Ji Sung. He was brilliant on uh, on England. Said that Jude Bellingham had the potential to be quotes the best player in the world. So certainly it's not just us who are getting wrapped up in in Bellingham hype. But yeah, as I was leaving, his PR uh, person said, "Do you want to come to Japan as our guest in the Hyundai box? What a view! Right in the halfway line. Um, really good game, actually. I thought Japan showed a lot of endeavour, a lot of energy." Um, probably should have been more than one goal up by the time Perisic scores an absolutely terrific header. But I didn't fancy them on penalties. I, I felt they might freeze in, in that scenario. And unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. Um, Crook's been networking more than BT over the course of the last two and a half weeks. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, let's focus on Brazil for career. Neil, we're all at that game yesterday. Uh, Brazil in the first half were absolutely deadly. It was... You know, I know there's been a lot of uh, discussion about Brazil taking the mick and doing this and that and whatever. I mean, I just, I love watching them. I love watching them when they're in that mood. Let's be completely honest. They were sensational in that first half an hour, weren't they? They were absolutely magnificent. And I don't, there are people who turn around and say they don't like the way they dance after celebrating the way that they juggle the ball around and whatever else. Let me tell you, I fell in love with the game in 1982 when I watched a Brazilian side with Socrates, Falcao, Junior, Adair do exactly that kind of thing. That was the kind of performance that seduces you into falling in love with this sport. Yeah. This sport isn't all about flat back fours and, <laughs> you know, passion and tactics and whatever else. And well, exactly. This game is about playing it with a smile on your face and expressing yourself. And I think there, there, you know, there are people who just want, you know, one nil's clean sheets and the result is all that counts. And then there are people who play it because they want to play that way and they want to smile and enjoy it and they want freedom. And for all of those people, that was a, the, the, a performance for the ages. That was this generation's, if you like, 1982. It was a fantastic display. 
Love's got the world in motion, 1990, New Order and the England football team. The key facets of that song, express yourself. Absolutely. That's what it says Absolutely. in the song. That's what it says in the song, people. And by the way, just to have you know, Richarlison, when he's juggling the ball, one, two, bringing it down, sending it off, getting it back and scoring, one of the most delightful goals I've ever seen live, by the way, um, that had a purpose. The juggling with the ball had a purpose. He was trying to get it back under control after it had mm. gone up into the air. And he wanted to keep mm. hold of it. So he nudged himself up, juggled with the ball on his head a couple of times. It dropped down. I mean, watching that from where I was sitting, it was like watching the ballet. It was, it, you know, it, it's high end. This is, this is the top of the top. That was absolutely outstanding. And they were, I mean, they, they were just brilliant. And South Korea, I mean, South Korea were incredibly naive um, and decided what the, the antidote to playing Brazil was not a flat back four. In fact, it was not a flat back. And it wasn't, it wasn't a flat anything. They, they just went absolutely for it and tried to negate them higher up the pitch and left so much space that Brazil, I mean, they might as well have pulled out a few Cubans. <laughs> yeah, a few points to make here. Uh, first of all, I was born in, in 1982 when, when Darren was falling in love with that Brazilian team. So I just wanted to, <laughs> just wanted to chuck that one out there. Um, secondly, I think it's very curmudgeonly um, of people like your pal Roy Keane to get so animated um, about the, the dancing, the, the coach joining in, the celebration. That's always been Brazil, hasn't it? You, we remember the, the Bebeto goal celebration at USA 94. It's just their culture. Um, I don't believe they were trying to embarrass or take the mickey out of anybody. Actually, it was a really touching moment at the end of the game. Son in tears for the second time this tournament, this time for different reasons. And Richarlison, his Tottenham teammate, was consoling him. So, um, I've got no problem with it. I think they were brilliant going forward. But there was one occasion in the first half, I don't know if you spotted this, Sam, but I was right in line with it. A, an attacking Brazilian move broke down and their three forwards just stopped. Yeah, <laughs> Didn't bother to yeah. try and track back. And they were back. all 60 yards yeah. up the pitch. They all, did, um, they all did a message. I would suggest, yeah, they did. And I would suggest they probably can't afford to do that <laughs> against a higher calibre of opponent. It was 4-0 at the time, I think. Uh, exactly, exactly. Before then, there was a lot of tucking in, tracking back, and they had been working hard. But by then, they could have probably declared and, and, and they, they knew that they'd run the legs off South Korea. So I might give them a little bit. Of, I mean, you're right to point that out. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just saying that I might give them a little bit of a pass considering that they'd already established a, quite a supreme superiority over the South, Korea, uh, over the South Koreans. Yeah, I forgot who they were playing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have a go at Roy Keane too much for being curmudgeonly. I mean, that's the character he likes to play. And it's, the, it's, it's why we fall in love with him. Um, over the course of the tournament, I, and, and I did, th I did think he had one point. Nobody, nobody wants to see Tiche get involved with the dancing. I'm all right with the other boys having their little right. samba style, whatever. I don't want to see. It's like an Alan Pardew did his at his Crystal Palace celebration. No. I don't want to see an old man dancing. Have you seen Crook dance? I don't want to see that either. <laughs> you know, leave it to the boys that have got the rhythm. No, I disagree. I utterly disagree. Um, that again, football is about joy. Football is about expressing yourself. You can be a five-year-old kid. You can be a fifty-five-year-old man. It's about joy, and we get so we take ourselves so seriously in Europe. And for a time, Brazil did too. They moved away from that kind of yoga bonita. Absolutely, and that's why in '94, uh, they, although they won it, 
the the, the coach back then, it, they they weren't fans weren't happy, and they cut they cut they for a few years they started to deride what they felt was a, a, a European influence on the Brazilian game, and they've moved back towards that, and that's why it's so poignant in this period. Obviously, we wishing Pele well. They want to be able to play in the way that Pele did because, as has been established, everything you've seen your favourite player do, Pele did it back in the day. And with these players, they are trying to inject that fantasy back into the game. And if that includes the coach having a little, you know, getting down with the players, absolutely yes. It puts yes. a smile on your face. And that's it, what we want to see from football. It, it, it does and it doesn't in equal measure with that particular incident. Listen, I'm all for the joy and I'm all for the, the, the great football, but I do think it was a little bit contrived, bearing in mind that he'd been getting so much criticism back in uh, Brazil. And it felt a little bit like a, a PR campaign had been unleashed as well um, in order to sort of try and soften his appearance because he's not very popular back in Brazil. or hadn't been up until this point. And I think it's worth pointing out that he uh, and they hadn't performed in that manner up until this game. So it almost felt as if they, like you said, they, they needed to reconnect with their own style of football because Tiche's brand of football up until this point has been safety first football. It's been a bit Gareth Southgate up until this particular point, hasn't it? Yeah, we said in the pod yesterday um, that despite the fact they've cruised into the knockout stages, they've done it really without putting anybody to the sword. That certainly changed in, in, in the first half. And actually, I think the phrase that Darren yeah. used about them declaring... There weren't, there weren't any swords left by the time they'd finished with South Korea. No, there weren't. And, and, and had they have wanted to, I think they could have really embarrassed their opponents and scored seven or eight, but they did uh, They did take their foot off the gas in the second half. We saw a bit of history, didn't we? Uh, first time that all 26 players in the squad have been used, obviously bringing on the, the third-choice goalkeeper to give him a couple of minutes. He was uh, beaming when he walked through the mix zone, the area where all the players have to walk past and speak to the world media at the end of the game. So uh, I think it was pretty much perfect from Brazil. We questioned whether Neymar should be playing. Would he be fully matched sharp? I think he put those uh, suggestions to bed as well that he wasn't. Yeah, he was uh, sensational. I thought Vinicius Jr., who is fast becoming one of my favourite players in the world, was yeah. outstanding. I just loved that boy. He's so inventive. The way he creates goals with the outside of his foot and his quick, slick movements. He's just an outstanding player. I love him. Sam, if you had the choice between having one of these three players in your team. Mm. Vinicius Junior, Phil Foden, Jude Bellingham. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't see if I wanted to extend it, but I'll just go, or, or I'll add another one, Pedri from Spain. Which oh, one would you have? I, I want them all. You only have one. You can only have one. It's difficult, isn't it? And at the moment, you know, I've had a Jude awakening, so I'm going to go with Jude. Uh, but uh, I, I mean, I've been a big fan of Jude for a very long time since he first broke into the Borussia Dortmund team. So I, I find it very hard to sort of ignore him because I think he's going to be a world superstar, and he's only nineteen. Uh, but I, they're all great. They're all great players, aren't they? I mean, and they're all very young, which is great for us mm. because it means we've got another ten years of watching them. It's brilliant. Mm. Mm. Vinicius Junior is a player who excites you, isn't he? He gets you up from your, your seat. I love yeah. players. With pace, I love players who commit defenders, and uh, yeah, I think he, um, I think he's an absolute star in in this Brazil team. 
Yeah, he is. He's been he's been terrific to watch. I really enjoyed watching him over the course of the tournament. And I was uh, did a fantasy league team uh, ahead of the um, the start of the, the campaign. I had to pick a, a team. I, you know, I picked him, and then someone said to me, "Why would you pick him? Is he going to play?" I was like, "Just trust me. He's going to be a star at this tournament." Um, and well, so far that has been the case. Uh, they play Croatia next, Brazil. Japan won, Croatia won. I went to this game as well. This was the one I was commentating on for ITV yesterday. Uh, Japan's World Cup ride coming to an abrupt end after what was, look, 60 minutes. They were really good, Japan. I thought they were super organised, tactically astute. Do you know what really impressed me about them, Darren? Is that they'd get themselves into positions. They were better than Croatia for large parts of this game. They'd get themselves into advanced positions. And instead of just tossing the ball into the box, being fully aware that they weren't going to be able to make anything out of a cross, they'd decline the opportunity to get the ball in the box, go back and try and build again. What they want is to be able to get in behind, spin in behind. So they bring the ball back into midfield, wait for um, Croatia to come onto them, and then try and knock the ball over the top to one of the pacey boys. Or win a set piece, get something in there and create as they did for the goal. I think tactically they're really mature team, but they ran out of gas towards the end of the game. And that, that, that was slightly disappointing to allow Croatia back in. And the old guard, the old boys network started to take over towards the end, didn't they? Yeah, and the interesting thing about that is that his predecessor, uh, uh, Moriyama's predecessor, a guy called Akira Nishino, um, he relied mostly on older players. And when uh, Moriyama came in, Hajime uh, Moriasu, sorry, uh, came in. He went to younger players, and yeah. and he's, he's, he he rebuilt. So it's quite ironic that towards the end he he was relying on the older players, but he does like to pay respect to seniority, even though he doesn't want to go with. He didn't uh, talk in the past tense now. Want to go with younger players, but what you pointed out just there, I found that a frustration as well. It's almost like, in some cases, the curse of the underdog as well, because there were lots of cases where the so-called smaller nations were trying to, you know, dish out bloody noses. They had opportunities to be decisive and they didn't take them. And that was the thing that frustrated me about Japan. They overplayed and overplayed. And I hope when they go away and they review this campaign, they will look at the moments just like the ones you were describing and see that they could have been more decisive. And if they are to come back in 2026, because, you know, you look at Japan's group, them and the Saudis, they came through it. They, they did superbly well. And they've really impressed in this tournament. I think they'll be back, but they have got to be more ruthless because if they are, then I think they will leave a lot of bigger name countries and bigger name players with no way back. Yeah, they've um, they've been at every World Cup. I think it's the last seven, haven't they? And they'll, they'll be at the mm. next World Cup because everybody's going to go to the next World Cup, aren't they? I mean, literally, me, Crook, and you could form a country and probably get into the next World Cup because so many. Of but when I say when I say come back, I mean come back and do what the kind of thing yeah. they did here, not just yes. be here to make up the numbers, but come back and perform to that level because they've won a lot of friends, Japan. And yes. the Saudis, I mean, you know, they've won a lot of friends, have lot won, and more importantly, not patronising friends, they've won a lot of respect. Yes. No team will take them lightly now because of their performances in this tournament. Unless, of course, we do get that situation where it goes to three group games next time and all the matches are decided on penalty shootouts, in which case you would fancy your chances against Japan every single time because literally I've never seen three worse penalties. No, they froze, didn't they? Um, and actually, I said to, to one of the guys from Talk Sports next to me, even 
five minutes into extra time, A, this is going to go to penalties because I think both teams basically declared, uh, again, to use Darren's phrase, in extra time, we're, we're, we're content with the shootout. But I just didn't fancy Japan at all. And it was a bad night, actually, wasn't it? For uh, Well, bad night for, for the South Coast uh, with uh, Matoma and former Southampton defender May Yoshida missing. And a bad night for former Premier League players because, obviously, it was Minamino's dreadful miss that really set the tone. Didn't think the Croatian penalty that missed was the best either, to be honest. So it certainly wasn't high calibre. It certainly wasn't high calibre, but uh, I'll tell you what was. That header from Perisic, which is absolutely yeah. terrific. A brilliant cross from Dayan Lovren into Perisic and the ball nestling in the far corner, the equaliser. Um, I must admit, I thought it was a super bullet header and that takes him level with Davos Suke on six World Cup goals for Croatia. Congratulations to him. Um it's, it was it was fascinating watching um, Croatia because it feels like a changing of the guard. We talk about Japan not coming back next time around. There does look as if there's going to be a big shift in Croatia's squad makeup over the next few years as well, Darren. We lost Luka Modric halfway through the second half. At one stage, I was worried that that was going to be the last time we saw him on the World Cup stage. Perisic was taken off. Kovacic was taken off. All of the experience that they've garnered over the course of the last four years was removed from the team. Some of the younger players, not as energetic and certainly not as crafty as those players. I just wonder whether or not they're going to go through a little bit of a generational shift now. Yeah, I think they will. But I think what they will do is very similar to the Dutch. They'll keep some of the senior players on in a coaching capacity. And when you looked at the Dutch and you saw Danny Blind and Edgar David Zaver side of uh, Louis van Gaal and you look at this Croatia side, Vladimir Petkovic could have the likes of Luka Modric. Why would you let somebody like him go from your setup when he's won so much? He's got so much to give to the younger players. He looks after himself as well. So I wouldn't necessarily suggest that he won't be back, especially when you see 39-year-old Danny Alves coming on for the Brazilians. But, you know, and you've got Paris, kick. who's got the experience. And trying a scissor kick as well. I mean, I thought he would have done his back when he tried <laughs> that one. Um, I certainly would have done... Uh, I, I, I just think, looking at that Croatia side, they still have quality there who will be around next time. Andrew Kamaric um, uh, up front, he, he's a very capable player. And there are still some good young players in that squad as well that will form the basis of their future. But I think you're right. Some of the older players, it does look as though the end is in sight for them. Um, I thought the interesting uh, substitution of the day award goes to Zlatko Dalic for taking off Antti Budimir, who he'd bought on about 10 minutes beforehand and replacing him with Levaya with about 10 minutes to go in extra time. And I thought, is that a penalty taker decision? Or is it because he just thinks he's been that bad? (laughs) 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 I mean, he he did hardly touch the ball, to be fair. But... (laughs) Being dragged off in extra time after coming on in extra time is pretty embarrassing. Um, <laughs> right, Just before okay. you move on, I called, Zlatko, I called Zlatko for Vladimir Petkovic. Apologies in case someone's going to write and or tweet me. Uh, Zlatko Dalic, of course, is the Czech head. Vladimir Petkovic was, if I'm not mistaken, at some stage, the Switzerland coach. Is that right? He was a Switzerland coach? Yes. He was for a few years ago. <laughs> Um, okay, should we? Uh, better ask whether or not you think Brazil, because obviously the, the, now the quarterfinal is almost complete in terms of the lineup. We just got to find out today whether it's going to be uh, Portugal, Switzerland, Morocco, or Spain who goes through to the last day. 
could we, could you tell me who you think is going to win out of Brazil and Croatia? Can Croatia stop the Brazil machine? No, Brazil will win. Okay, Darren, could you give us any reasons behind such a eventuality, rather than just being belligerent and saying no? <laughs> well, um, I think Croatia showed yesterday against the Japanese that they are vulnerable, that you can get in behind if you're decisive. And Brazil have a lot of firepower to get in behind. They've got the patience, they've got the creativity and the guile and that fantasy in the final third. And any number of players can provide that. And so Croatia will have to be clinical if they get their chances. I don't think they have as much firepower as the Brazilians. I think their quality comes from midfield rather than up front, whereas Brazil have it right across the front six. Yeah, and many- so I think Brazil will overwhelm them. Yeah, they've only scored in two games in this tournament, haven't they, uh, Croatia, out of the four games that they've played. They've drawn two matches nil-nil. This one was 1-1. They won 4-1 against Canada. I don't think that can be a measure of your attacking prowess. Um, you know, Crook and I, in a rather unique way, picked up an extra listener yesterday. Uh, Darren, you'll be pleased about this. Um, in the cab or the, that we and Crook took from um, the Japan-Croatia game to the Brazil game, we had a bit of a row, um, Crook and I, um, Crook was talking about, I don't know, some tactical thing, and I was giving him crap for it. And uh, it went on in, in, for about 10, 15 minutes. And the sound man who was in the back of the car said, oh, if this is what your podcast is like, I'm going to download it every morning. Uh, <laughs> so, so, Luke, welcome along. Uh, right, let's get to uh, Portugal, Switzerland, and Morocco versus Spain. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. CF calls it back. It's 2 0. Oh my goodness. They've done it. Zachariah Bukal! This is why we love football, because anything can happen on any given day, and that was such a brilliant performance from Morocco. Good ball into the near post, fired into the roof of the net. Spain take the lead, it's Morata. They don't pull any punches, they play the way they play, they take risks. Now here's Joao Felix inside the area, gets it past the keeper, and Portugal are back in front. If we don't concede goals, we will always have goals in the team. I believe we can go, you know, into the last stages 100%. It's, you know, it's the minimum we can do. Gives it up for Shakiri, Deflected shot and in for Zerdan Shakiri, And Switzerland leads! And it is magnificent drama on TalkSport once again. 
Portugal against Switzerland is the evening kickoff. Uh, Ronaldo will be itching to join Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe in the quarterfinals. But is he going to start? Because Fernando Santos slapped him down yesterday amid growing pressure to drop the, as one paper says this morning, aging, whining superstar. Um, Santos thought that uh, Ronaldo's anger uh, as he came off the bench was misdirected. He, he, I think he's tried to say that when he was pulled off as a substitute in the previous game, he was having a go at the South Korean players as he left the pitch, whereas it looked a little bit like he was having a go at Fernando Santos. Um, Santos says, I didn't like it at all. We'll deal with it in-house. From then on, it is over full stop. But he wouldn't confirm that Ronaldo was going to play today. What did you make of it, Crook? He will play. Um, and I think that's going to be Portugal's biggest problem um, going into these these knockout rounds. The more they indulge Ronaldo, the more they're going to make the, themselves vulnerable. That's not me speaking as a, a bitter Manchester United fan because well, he's left the club. Um, it, no, honestly, it isn't. Uh, although I do want him to foul. Uh, no question about that. Um, but you, wow. You, but you look at the uh, you know this World Cup of aging superstars. Messi um, has shown his worth uh, for Argentina, and Luka Modric is still one of Croatia's finest players. Then you've got the, the, the other side of the spectrum, Luis Suarez, obviously very disappointed for Uruguay. Gareth Bale, we talked a lot about him and how ineffective he was for Wales. And I put Ronaldo in the latter bracket. Yes, he's got his goal from the penalty spot. First player to score at five World Cups. Tremendous uh, achievement. But if you look at his all-round play, I think he holds Portugal back. I really do. Mm. I think that they can be a better side with him not leading the line up front. They've got better, younger fitter players who can cover more ground and, and get around the pitch. He's basically a passenger um, unless the ball is in and around the penalty area. And there was a, a poll that I was reading this morning in uh, Bola, one of the big sports papers in Portugal. 70% of Portuguese fans who voted don't want Ronaldo to start this game. Yeah, I mean, worth pointing out that um, Ronaldo is the first male player to score at uh, five World Cups. Uh, Marta, I think, uh, did it uh, for Brazil in the female World Cup. Cristiano Ronaldo is yet to uh, find the back of the net in any of his six knockout appearances for Portugal at the World Cup, despite playing 514 minutes and having 25 total attempts on goal. You mentioned that poll in Abola this morning, 70% uh, saying that he should be on the bench. But Fernando Santos, Darren, he wasn't, he wasn't convincing about picking Ronaldo, was he? I mean, he was... For Fernando Santos, who's quite an ultra-cautious man and probably... You know, has produced a very effective, but at times quite pragmatic and boring Portugal team over the years. To 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 say these words, I'm not paying attention to polls. What I've done is focus on the match. But I only decide who's going to be the captain when I reach the stadium. I don't know the lineup. That's what I always do. Is a little bit sort of, I don't know. It doesn't really sound one like the truth, or two like he's fully behind Ronaldo. I think he's a little bit annoyed with him. Yeah, I, I, with good reason. All the things that Crook just explained a second ago are the reasons why Ronaldo's not at Manchester United anymore. He's a passenger. And I remember telling you guys about the headline I saw in during the September international break, again, in Abola, in Portugal, which said, less Ronaldo, more Portugal. And there has been a feeling for some time that he is a passenger. He's not mobile enough. He doesn't give enough when he plays. And he's all about brand Ronaldo. Hence that five, well, first, first men's player to score in five World Cups. He wants that 
to be his legacy. But in terms of the good of the team, I'm not so sure that's uppermost in his mind. Uh, he wants to be the hero. He wants to write his name in lights. He wants to be alongside the likes of Messi and Neymar and some of the younger players like Mbappe who are doing it at this World Cup. I don't think the coach is going to start him. I have to say, I think that if he was going to, he would have said so. And he would have been much more unequivocal about it. I think that he buys it. I, don't, I think what Santos knows is that if he doesn't start Ronaldo, the majority of the public will back him because they don't think he should start either. So I'll be, I'll be very interested to see what that lineup is. I don't buy for a second that he only decides who's going to play and who the captain's going to be when he gets to the stadium. No coach worth their salt would do that, let alone a coach in bidding to reach the last day of the World Cup. I think he knows his plan. I don't think Ronaldo is part of it. He'll be on the bench. Yeah. Um, Switzerland, a team that have actually got good history in games with uh, Portugal. Um, tonight will be the third meeting between Portugal and Switzerland uh, in 2022. They've actually faced each other in the Nations League in June. Um, Switzerland enjoyed a 1-0 victory in Geneva, uh, but Portugal won 4-0 in Lisbon. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But Switzerland, I think, out of all of the teams in the last 16, and we've, this has been a World Cup of upsets, and we haven't had an upset in the last 16, but of all the teams in the last 16, I think Switzerland could cause what would be considered to be an upset. I don't think it would be that much of an upset, because I think they're probably a bit like that, aren't they? Portugal maybe a little bit ahead of Switzerland, but not too much. I'm sort of in the middle. Um, I, I don't think Switzerland are as good as you suggest, Sam. And I think Portugal do have some star quality. Um, but the Portuguese public for a long time now have, have been a bit um, detached from the way that Santos wants to play. Um, there's a feeling that maybe he puts the shackles on some of those star players going forward that Darren has mentioned. And I think as a result of that, this could be quite attritional um, because the Swiss are well organised. I don't think Switzerland will win, um, but I could see this going the distance. I, it wouldn't surprise me if we see more extra time and maybe even a penalty shootout. Yeah, I, mean, that, I, I don't think that Switzerland are brilliant and well beaten. I just think they're going to do something there. They've got enough to trouble uh, Portugal and can edge past them. We'll see. We'll find out tomorrow, uh, won't we? Uh, Morocco against Spain. Spain head into this off the back of a below-par performance against uh, Japan. Is that going to have any effect on them or actually could it have the opposite effect? We've been beaten. We've been made us look a little bit silly. We need a reaction, Darren. Um, I think it will be a reaction. I think in last 16 football, we suddenly see a different side to one or two of these teams we did with Brazil. They were so much more explosive right from the start than they had been in the last 16. Um, and even England, if you look at England and how much better they were in the last 16 compared to their final group game. I think as far, sorry, the penultimate group game and they, they beat the, the, the Welsh, but they were very average, the Welsh. So I don't really set too much store by that one. Um, Spain are good, but they keep a lot of possession. Um, they've got to start to hurt better teams with it now rather than just passing around for 700 um, passes. Uh, it gets. We, we know that's a style of play they like to employ, but the, it, it, I think if Morocco are patient and bear in mind that they've conceded only one goal in this tournament and only one goal since Walid Rogwagui took charge in August, they are a very defensive, well-organised side they're going to make it hard for Spain. 
I'm not necessarily sure that Spain are going to be better in this fixture. I think they might get a little bit frustrated at not being able to break Morocco down. This could go the distance. Uh, and they've got tons of pace on the break, haven't they, in Morocco? Regragui speaking yesterday about the fact that Morocco have reached the last 16 for the first time since 1986, saying, look, we are the last African team, we, the, the last Arabic-speaking nation still in the team. You could make up two stadiums with fans supporting Morocco in Qatar. It's going to be a lively atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah, that might make a difference. You know, I think we've seen in the group stage a, a lot of the European nations uh, probably under-supported compared to previous tournaments. And uh, at times, that atmosphere, I think, has really helped the, the, the underdogs. I think Morocco, despite what Darren's been saying, there are the underdogs. Um, when the round of 16 took shape, I felt this was probably the game that was most likely to throw up an upset. They've been excellent defensively. This Hakim Ziyech looks a good player as well. Somebody in the Premier League should probably snap him up. Um <laughs> And I think we were guilty um, of maybe getting a bit carried away by Spain uh, after that 7-0 demolition of, of Costa Rica. Um, our excellent live sport producer, Deck McCarthy, after that game, was telling anybody who'd listen, not only would Spain win the World Cup, you know, I think they were going to be crowned Eurovision Song Contest winners, Grand National winners, they could win the boat race, they could win Sports Personality of the Year. I mean, he was absolutely convinced. That's it. You know, we've seen the World Cup winners. <clears throat> I don't think they have enough quality in the forward areas um, to be considered in the same vein as Brazil, France, England, even Argentina. So um, I think this is a dangerous game for Spain. And if Morocco are bang at it, with that fervent fan base, I think they've got a huge chance. Uh, the Morocco coach also suggested that it might be possible for them to win the World Cup, at which uh, point he got very highly criticised by a journalist from his own country. And he had to backtrack. He said, look, well, if, if we don't believe, we'll never win. If I was thinking this way when I was younger, I wouldn't mm. be here. We may fail, but we will give it our all. Um, it, it could be a past masterclass, whatever happens, because uh, Spain, Spain have racked up 2,737 passes at the group stage of World Cup 2022. Argentina, 1,992. Why is this significant? I'll tell you why it's significant. Because... Because uh, Roberto Martinez had used to have this theory, something ten, going back ten years ago, that a thousand passes was the sort of the golden figure. That if you've got a thousand passes, you'd definitely, definitely win the game because that meant that you dominated the ball so much, you'd move it around in certain areas. Blah 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 blah. Uh, it, for, it always out. For, I was always a bit sort of really. How does that work? Anyway, the Japanese again. The game against um, Spain had seventeen point seven percent possession the lowest since the World Cup records began. Spain put together more than a 1,000 passes during the match and still managed to lose it. So I'm sorry, Roberto, it's absolute nonsense. The good news is, though, the third best team at passing the ball at this tournament is... England. Correct. They have had 1,932 passes and their average possession is third only behind Argentina and Spain. Um, in terms of uh, Alvaro Morata, you, you, you've sort of both had a little bit of a uh, suggestion that he is not up to it. He has become the first Spanish player to score in three group stage matches of the World Cup uh, since the beginning of time. I think it was the 50s, the last player who did it. Was it Zaza? 1950, Zaza, yeah. Zaza, uh, the last player to do it. Um, so it's, uh, it is an achievement, an incredible achievement from him that he's managed to, to do that. Can he go on scoring in every round of the tournament or do you think that his, his goals are going to dry up? They're going to dry up. He, 
or more, or, or maybe why do you think they're going to dry up? I suppose is a better. Question. I don't think he's clinical enough, which is why he's not managed to stay at one club for that long throughout his career. Um, he is, and I think that Morocco are so organised defensively that the goal in this match may well come from midfield rather than from him. Um, I'm not necessarily swayed by the past past statistics. I think there have only been two occasions in World Cup history where um, a team has managed over 700 passes and lost the first time was um, Germany against Japan and the second time was Spain against Japan. So I think as far as the domination is concerned, I'm not carried away by that. Morocco will expect it. They've seen other teams um, have less of the ball and win. I'm thinking of Saudi Arabia against the Argentinians. Um, and I think as far as Morocco are concerned, they know that if they are patient and if they use their ability to catch Spain on the break when they start to get desperate, they could win this game. They're very much underdogs. I'm just giving you reasons why I think that they have a chance. Spain are the favourites, but all of the pressure is on Spain. Can they live up to it? I am not convinced at all. Um, okay. Um, Germany losing to Japan despite having loads of uh, possession. Spain doing the same. It sounds like those Japanese are taking the pass. Uh, Alex, thank you very much. We will uh, speak to you a little bit later on. Uh, have a good day. You're having a bit of a break now, aren't you, from the pod? You're not coming back till Saturday. You rest up. You get yourself out there and, uh, you know, go, go, and, go and mix with your mates. At, when he goes back, Darren, right, this geezer is going to be dressed head to toe in Adidas and driving a Hyundai <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Um, no pod for us until the night. So Friday, uh, Friday morning when you wake up, you'll be able to listen to the podcast that uh, I'll be doing with Scott Minto and Darren Bent from the Samsung store in Kings Cross. Well, I won't be in the Samsung store in Kings Cross, but those two will be. Uh, they'll be recording it there. I'll be uh, here in Doha recording it uh, remotely. Uh, so we'll uh, have a good view on the uh, what we think might happen at the quarterfinal stage on Friday with both Scott and Darren. So stick around uh, for that. It's the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 